It's 130 degrees out and I'm wearing body armor to include this new triangular flap they've just given everyone. You put it right here. And every time I sit down in a Humvee, I tuck it in just so, because I believe that when this Humvee goes up like a pinata, if we hit an IED, that flap is gonna save me. <laughs> We're parked outside of a giant apartment complex. I'm sitting with my flap just like that right now. This apartment complex has 200 buildings, four or five stories each, squalid, packed. Some of the buildings have families living in the stairwells with little mattresses and curtains. We're waiting because my commander is inside talking to the mayor. My commander talks to the mayor a lot because the mayor is our informant. He tells us about IEDs, roadside bombs. He tells us who's been planning them, where they're gonna happen, where we can capture those guys. I don't really get to talk to the mayor, which is for the best. My commander is much better suited for this kind of thing, and my interpreter, Lee, doesn't really speak English. <laughs> He's also overweight and asthmatic, and if anything urgent ever happens, I can look back and see him through the spinach green of my night vision goggles, lying on the ground, frantically taking hits off of his puffer. I curse at him, and he scrambles to his feet, but his helmet is two sizes too big. Anyways, looks like the meeting is over. Sounds like the meeting is a little bit different than usual. The mayor just told my commander that he himself, the mayor, is going to be assassinated this week. One of the things that makes the mayor such a good informant is that he knows everything that's going to happen in our city. And he doesn't know where or how, but he knows that this week he's going to die. And he's not running away. In order to understand the mayor, you have to understand our city. Our city was the birthplace of the Iraq as nuclear threat narrative. Our city has a giant weapons factory. Back in the 80s, there was an explosion at the weapons factory, an accident. Thousands of workers were killed. Details were mur uh, very murky. The Saddam government was very secretive. A journalist came from the UK to investigate it. He was executed, accused of being an Israeli spy. That was kind of the beginning of the West being very nervous about weapons development in Iraq, right here in our town. That weapons factory was one of the first targets for airstrikes. That weapons factory was the economy for all 200,000 people in our town. That weapons factory is now rubble. But among that rubble is the foundation for an industrial facility, and there are investors from Europe who want to turn that rubble into a tractor factory. And this is why the mayor informs for us. These IEDs that are blowing us up by the truckload, they're also scaring the investors. So the mayor was going to hold his ground, and we were going to patrol, lie in ambush, raid houses, search vehicles, destroy the enemy. Only that's really hard because we can almost never find them. All they do is lay their bombs in potholes, hollowed out trees, animal carcasses. They detonate them with radio signals, pressure plates, tripwires. Everything we do to intervene against them requires that we walk and drive around, exposing us to more IEDs. It's a, it's a tough deal. Fast forward a few days. We're just back from a mission, foot patrol through the market at a busy time. Some of my soldiers are outside using diesel fuel. 
to burn our trash, our shit, and some dogs that they had to shoot. I see my friend Josh from Third Platoon. His wife gave birth about a year ago and he got to go back home for two weeks to see the baby. I ask him, do you ever catch yourself realizing that you'd forgotten that you're a father and you have been for a year? And he says, absolutely, all the time. And that kind of trips me up a little bit, but I like it when people are honest about that kind of thing and Josh is a really good guy. Boom! It's a massive explosion. I see a mushroom cloud rising from above the apartments. We scramble to get our gear on. Form up into a wedge formation, start striding over there. That's what you do when there's an explosion. You go closer to it, not farther from it. Thousands of people are streaming out of the apartments to come see what happened. The mushroom cloud is starting to clear. Looks like the explosion took place near the police checkpoint by the apartments. We're getting closer. The crowd seems to be growing by the thousands. It's as though all 200,000 people of our city are streaming around us. We're close now, we're at the police checkpoint. I see bodies, black, charred, skeletonized, mouths agape, in a pickup truck, also black, charred, skeletonized. I recognize the frame of the pickup truck as being a lot bigger than the bongo truck model that's popular in Iraq. The crowd is getting really overwhelming now. I have 20 guys, including Lee. In a spasm of competence, he translates what they're shouting and what I already knew. Those bodies in the pickup truck are the mayor and his personal security detail. The crowd's getting really overwhelming. The mayor has been incinerated by a roadside bomb planted in an Iraqi police checkpoint that's manned by Iraqi police 24 hours a day. The police are starting to panic. They're firing their pistols into the air above the heads of the hordes that are approaching us. I don't know what the momentum of this crowd is going to do. So we back away. We back away and observe from afar. We back away and watch it burn. 